0: Yeah, well, let's pray. Jesus, we are thankful that you came. We're thankful for this time of Christmas that we get to celebrate the coming and, the, and we get to c- celebrate the desire that you have to make us, make our relationship whole with the Father, God. And so we, we thank you and we love you and we lift you up this, this morning and we just pray, Lord, that uh, you'll be with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, middle school. Autumn, somewhere there she is. If you're in middle school, y'all can go with Autumn and Javon. They're walking this way. A few of you, slowly walking this way. <laughs> um, so over the last few weeks, we have been looking at Advent and these uh, first four, first three weeks. We really focused on. These names, these Old Testament names of Jesus, and we're going to look at the same thing, the same idea, the same concept this morning. But the first three weeks we looked at Jesus as the Prince of Peace, the Son of David or King, and we looked at him as um, light of the world. And so all three of these very much Christmas topics that we look at at Christmas... Often it's an easy connection point with um, who Jesus is and what he does to connect us to Christmas. And in this week, we're going to look at Isaiah 53. And y'all may know that passage as the suffering servant passage. And a lot of you who know that passage just went, what are we doing? This isn't Good Friday. So why are we talking about this right now? So it's going to be a little different look uh, of of an Advent service that focusing, it's going to try to do a, a few things. This morning. Our goal this morning will be to try to connect Jesus at his birth with Jesus at the cross. But it's going to go through a, a kind of a, a meandering way. So we're going to be a little bit ambitious this morning as we look at this and try to figure out how to connect Isaiah 53, this idea of suffering servant, to an Advent passage and this prophecy of a coming Messiah. And the first thing before we get into actual the, the text. I want to look at some context, right? So this passage in Isaiah 53, again, most of you are familiar with it. You've heard it before. But for hundreds of years, Hebrew rabbis and Hebrew teachers and and, and Jewish religious leaders taught that Isaiah 53 was about an individual person who was coming to suffer and die for the redemption of all of Israel. That was the focus for hundreds of years. You can see it. There's a couple of texts. If you want to look it, don't look it up. But there are some texts, uh, Sanhedrin 98, the Zohar. These, These texts specifically lay this out. These rabbinical teachers are telling us that this is a single individual, a single Messiah that's coming for the spiritual and the physical redemption of Israel. And then Jesus comes. And immediately those who start to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus are going, that's the guy. Isaiah 53 and Jesus, this is the same guy. This is what these guys were talking about. And we even use it, or the early Christians even used it to evangelize. If you look at Acts 8, you'll see the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53, and and Philip's like, hey, let me tell you who that's about. And he goes, Y'all know the story. He says, Well, why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And so they get out of the carriage and they baptize this Ethiopian eunuch. But Jewish leaders right after that, religious leaders right after that, they changed the commentary on what this passage actually means. As the Christians say, this is Jesus, Jewish religious leaders start saying, actually, those guys missed it. This is not a single individual. This is all of Israel. And Israel as a whole, the nation, is this suffering servant. And the nation is the one that's going to be abused. And for 1,700 years, Jewish leaders... And Jewish religious teachers have taught that this was Israel to the point that today Isaiah 53 doesn't even make it into the liturgical um, services of in in synagogues. They don't even talk about it. It's actually called the forbidden passage, which shows us that there's some significant problems that exist here, right? It shows us that these significant problems are here and the Jewish leaders, they don't know how to answer the questions because... There's a really specific answer, and there's actually one ministry in Jerusalem that is leading people to Jesus only using the passage of Isaiah 53. They're going out and saying, hey, y'all, y'all see all these things, and they're like, have you heard of this? Have you heard anybody else like that? They're like, no, and they're like, well, Jesus, and they're like, oh, that's it, I'm in. It's really simple evangelism on the street. But the Jews, this didn't fit what they expected in their Messiah, Right? This whole thing is about redemption, it's about connection, it's about relationship, and they felt like they already had that. And so this passage becomes a problem as they're teaching it, but it becomes hope for us because we can directly point back to where we see the Messiah. And so the goal to start this morning is this, is one, to see that this is a messianic passage in Isaiah 53, and two, to see that Jesus is this Messiah, those are the two goals as we start, and we'll, we'll move from there. So let me go ahead and start reading Isaiah 53. It says this. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He is oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. <clears throat> he was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and, and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and, he satisfied, and, sat, and be satisfied by his knowledge of my righteous servant, will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. And was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now for us, it's like it's Jesus, right? It's pretty simple. He hit, he checks all the boxes. But this wasn't the type of Messiah that the Jews were looking for. And Isaiah he actually even tells us that they're going to miss him, right? He tells us from the beginning, "Who has heard her? Who has heard our message?" Who has heard our voice? It's a, it's a rhetorical question, and the, and the implied answer is nobody. Nobody's going to listen to him. Nobody's going to know him because Jesus doesn't come in the way that he's expected to come. Or the Messiah doesn't come in the way that he's expected, expected to come. And so he's, he doesn't fit the bill. He doesn't fit the models. So the, the Jews had this whole idea that, of where he was going to come from, what he was going to look like, and who he was going to be. Instead, Isaiah tells us he comes from this desolate place, like a root out of dry ground is what he says specifically. Well, that's Galilee, right? Galilee of the Gentiles. He's coming from the wrong area. And so they're not going to recognize who he is. They don't see who he is. And so what they're looking for here, they immediately reject. They're not interested in what it looks like. They reject his message, and then they immediately reject who he is because he doesn't look the part. Jesus as a king doesn't look like what the what the Jewish religious leaders were looking for in a king. He wasn't tall and strong and physically imposing like Saul, and he wasn't handsome like David. He was something that didn't attract us to him. I was reading one guy and he he had he had one whole apologetic section just focusing on the fact that Jesus wasn't ugly. That was his whole thing. No, I don't know if that matters. But the point of it is, if you looked at his outward appearance, it's nothing about him that draws us. We had to look to his heart. And look, to his, look, and look in his eyes and see his love. And that's what draws us. Because the Jewish leaders were looking for this conquering hero and king, he didn't fit the model. He didn't fit what they were looking for. And so the whole first half of this passage is simply about how Jesus or how the Messiah is going to be rejected. He doesn't look the part, he doesn't fit the part, and nobody's going to listen to his message. The second half of this is focusing on what the Messiah is going to bring the second half of this passage is clearly focused on the redemption that the Messiah is going to bring. And again, not something, this redemption didn't come in the way that the Jews were looking for. The whole passage clearly tells us he's going to suffer, he's going to die, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be spit on, he's going to be all these things, and then I'm going to bring him back, and I'm going to restore him. But that's not what the religious leaders of the time heard. What they heard was there's this conquering hero that's going to ride in, that looks a certain way, who's going to be physically imposing. he's going to come from this heartland of Jewishness, and he's going to come in here, and he's going to destroy our enemies because we don't need spiritual redemption. We follow all the rules. So when they, see, when they hear redemption, they hear somebody's going to come in, defeat the Romans, kick them out, and give them their country back. Because if you're a Pharisee and a religious leader living in the first century, you already, follow, you already feel like you're redeemed, right? You do all the things. You go to the synagogue, you read from the scrolls, you keep the law. And if you're, like I said, if you're a Pharisee, you keep all the extra laws on top of that. So you're super spiritual and super holy. So you don't need this spiritual redeemer. What you want is a conquering hero and a king that you can celebrate, that you can, be, that you can rejoice in their victory, not somebody who's going to come and die and, and, not, and, and doesn't change your life the way you expect it to be changed. So, they're looking for somebody who's going to give them political freedom. And what Jesus came was to bring them spiritual freedom and bring them spiritual relationship. And because of that, the Jews miss him. They completely miss him because he doesn't fit the model that they're looking for. And if we're honest about it, especially at Christmas time, we can feel pretty similar. Because sometimes we're expecting Jesus to come in as this conquering hero that's going to come in and he's going to wipe out all of our issues and wipe out all of our problems. And then we're going to live comfortable and we're going to live easy and everything's going to be just great. Because the the atmosphere and the attitude of Christmas is simply focused on what Jesus comes to bring, not what he calls us to do. And that get, this is not, I'm not going to go out here and bash Christmas for another 15 minutes or so. But I do want to make some connections for us. That we easily fall into the trap that the Jews fall into. That we're looking at him in one way and what he does is this. You look at this chart up here. This is how he fulfills all of it. If we get lost looking for this this conquering hero, we can miss the fact that Isaiah tells us he's going to be disfigured, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be punished, and then we forget the fact that Mark says he was struck, spat on, mocked, he was beaten, he was the Roman scourge is one of the most terrible things. Like When you experience a scourge from Rome, you are unrecognizable. That would easily make him fit the thing that's he's not attractive to us. An unrecognizable human isn't someone that we're attracted to. He'd come from humble beginnings, from Nazareth. He was rejected by many. I'm not going to go through all of these places and read these things to you, but you can clearly see what Isaiah predicted 700 years later, Jesus fulfilled. And still, sometimes we miss it. And still, sometimes we have a different expectation of what Jesus is going to do. You can go ahead and flip over to that next slide, it just continues. 700 years before Jesus comes, this is what Isaiah says. And, and really the one that jumped out at me as I'm reading this is, is 53, 6, and 7, is that he voluntarily took our punishments. And then John 10 and 11, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid, lays down his life for his sheep. To when we're looking a lot of times for Jesus and we're trying to connect with him, and he doesn't bring this comfort, this ease, and this kind of, American dream type of life, right? Sometimes what we're looking for with Jesus is to make everything easy, to make where I don't experience any hardship, I don't experience any suffering, and then when we do that, what we miss is his suffering. We look and we act and we behave very similar to what these Jewish leaders behave like. And so it brings up what I think Is a pretty interesting question to kind of hash out this morning. Do we see the same Savior in the manger as we see on the cross? Is our perspective of Jesus different on December 25th than it is on Good Friday? Is our, exp- are our expectations at Christmas more like what the Jewish expectations are? And then it, our expectations at Christmas, they meet this, this excuse me, this expectation at uh, Easter meets this Isaiah 53 point. See, they're one and the same. The same Savior born at Christmas is the same Savior and the same person who dies on Good Friday. And I think a lot of times it's easier to be drawn to the baby than it is to the man. Because really, when you look at the baby, he is a sign of hope, and that's good. He is a sign of joy, and that's good. But he's not asking anything from us there. It's from the cross where he starts asking things from us. And what happens when we separate the two is Christmas becomes something almost secular. If we take away Easter, Christmas becomes a secular holiday that for a few months actually starts Christmas season starts in I think after Labor Day. <laughs> that if we if we look at it, it's a few months where we manufacture some joy and we manufacture some happiness and then it's over and then we start thinking about how to pay the bills that we just created for ourselves. And so then it's gone and we look forward to this manufactured joy that comes later on because If you take away Easter, the world loves Christmas. The secular world loves Christmas. It puts money in their pockets because it's easy and it doesn't ask us for anything. That's why there's five Christmas Eve services but only one Good Friday service. One's easy, one's hard. And if we separate the two, we look very much like these Jewish leaders that missed the Messiah when he came. So hopefully we understand a couple things so far this morning. One, that this is a messianic passage. Two, that Jesus is the Messiah. Three, that the Jews miss him and sometimes we fall into that trap. But really what we want to dive into a little bit more this morning is is how effective Jesus was and why he was effective at fulfilling this prophetic word from Isaiah. And the reason is is because Jesus surrendered. Jesus surrendered over and over and over again to the Father. And some of you are like, ah, he's God, that's pretty easy. Well, we we can't divorce him from his human side either though, right? If you look at Luke 22, what you see is, what it says is that this is right before he gets arrested and it says, Jesus is in anguish and he began to pray fervently and so intensely that the, that the sweat that dripped from him was like blood. He wrestled with what God was calling him to do so intently that his sweat was like blood and Jesus responded with, not your, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is able to accomplish this messianic passage because he's completely surrendered and submitted to the will of the Father, and he continues to do this. That's hard. Giving up anything runs counter to everything that we're, that we're raised to do, right? Everything about us, as from, from the fact we are little kids, is pointed towards a specific goal. I think about myself personally what the focus from my parents were make good grades when you're in school get into the best college so you can get the best job and you can get enough money that you can be comfortable and you can be easy and the richest people I knew growing up were teachers so I became a teacher because that's where the money is. That was the pursuit. It wasn't pursuing Jesus and surrendering Jesus. And it was not any fault of my my family. It's not any fault of ours. It's, It's just a cultural thing that pushes us in this place where we start looking for comfort and ease. And Jesus in the manger provides comfort and ease for us. And Jesus on the cross provides suffering and sacrifice for us. And one, we actively seek to avoid and the other we want to embrace wholeheartedly. And what I think is when we embrace comfort and ease with everything that we have, what we get is suffering and sacrifice. But when we embrace the entirety of the gospel message, from the the manger to the empty grave, and we embrace the suffering, and we embrace the sacrifice that comes with that, what I believe is we get Jesus and we get joy. We get the Christmas message, Combined with the Easter message and we get the fullness of what the gospel is and that's what the Jews missed out on when they were looking for this. That's why they had a picture of what Jesus was going to be and they missed it because they had an incomplete picture. We get this complete and this, this total story of who Jesus is and we get to embrace it and we get to, we get to be in relationship with him. And so I believe that all he asks us to do to have this comfort and ease, because He is the Comforter, is surrender and sacrifice. These are awesome Christmas messages, right? Everybody's like, "Yes, yeah, sweet." That's what I want to hear right now. But I also believe that's the source of our joy. We can experience temporary joy for a few months, looking for Christmas and just half of the story, or we can experience eternal joy when we embrace the, when we embrace Christmas and we embrace the cross to a point where we have to surrender. I know that, that's, that's church speak. Surrender to the Lord. That's church speak for sure, right? Everybody's, everybody's heard that before, but the question I have to ask, we have to ask, her, what does it look like to actually surrender? The only thing I can think of, I like to tell stories, so that's what we'll do. When I was a kid, my dad and my uncle, to make a little extra money, would go build decks for people. So they'd build a deck on the side of somebody's house. they give them a couple hundred bucks. We'd, they would go. And so I remember the first time that I went with them, I don't remember how old I was, but I, was obvi- I obviously got the worst job because I was given the post hole digger. And if y'all don't know what that is, it's a torture device that's given to <laughs> dig a hole in the ground. You take this thing and you slam it and you pull it apart and you lift up chunks of dirt and you get this perfect, perfectly round hole. So that was my job. And I get there, and it's the middle of summer, probably hadn't rained in months, and the ground, I didn't make any excuses for being weak. The ground was like concrete, and I take this post hole digger, and I just start slamming it in the ground because i got to dig this hole for my dad and my uncle, and the harder I slam it, the higher it bounces. We're not moving any dirt. There's nothing happening, and I don't know how long I went on doing this without any results whatsoever. I don't know how long it was before my dad walked over, And instead of taking the post hole digger away from me and digging the hole for me, he let me hold on to the post hole digger and he grabbed the top. And he started taking that post hole digger and he was providing all the force and we dug this hole together. See, our our image of surrender is I give up, you can have it, and I think the image of surrender is just hold on, I'm gonna do it with you. I'm gonna do it for you when we embrace the fullness of cradle to the tomb, what we see is a Savior says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, to lead you. You're going to go through suffering. You're going to go through sacrifice. You're going to go through hardships. But relationship with me leads you through it. No matter how hard you try on your own, you're never going to do this, but I'll do all of it for you. That's the heart of a Christmas message is pointing us to the cross. Because all we have to do is surrender and submit to the Father. Jesus is our model, but that's the thing. It's like we come to him, we're like, I got so much of a burden, I got so many things to do, and he says, put yours down, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take up my burden, don't carry your own around as we pursue comfort and we pursue ease without the fullness of Jesus in our minds and in our hearts, we start loading up ourselves with anxiety and and depression and issues, and we're like, where where are you, God? He's saying, I'm right here. I just want to take them from you. Surrender. So this morning, I think what Jesus wants to say to us is, participate. Be a part of my suffering." and what you'll get is my joy and my glory. 1 Peter 4:13 says, "But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed." Be a part of it because it's better than anything we can create ourselves. Romans 8:17, now if we are children then we are heirs Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in death. That means not dead. That means risen. And finally, 2 Corinthians 1.5 for just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ so also our comfort abounds through Christ our comfort our ease comes from relationship with Jesus and surrendering to Jesus surrendering to Jesus is hard anybody tells you it's not they're probably not being completely honest with you surrendering to Jesus is difficult You're going to experience hardship. You're going to experience problems. But it's also better than anything else that you can do. It's hard, yet it's the best thing. Because again, his burden is easy. His yoke is light. If I lay down my suffering and my burdens and take up his, his is better. And so I want to encourage you this morning a couple ways. Just to close. I feel like there's, there's kind of three places where we are this morning one is you know i've been following jesus for a long time and and as i'm following him i just keep collecting things of my own and i keep walking through life and i was like i'll take this and i'll take this and we give portions of ourselves we surrender portions of our life to jesus but we don't completely surrender to jesus we may give him our physical behavior and our outward appearance, but we're holding on to our sinful thought life. We're holding on to our, the internal sin that drives us. Or we may be giving him, giving over our family. Like, Lord, I trust you with my family, but I don't trust you with my finances. It doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. There are places that we walk through that we're willing to surrender to the Lord and we're willing to hold on to, and we're not willing to surrender. Things that we want to hold on to and things that we're willing to give up. And then there's those of us, some of you may be like me. I walked down to the front of the church when I was seven years old and said, I want to follow Jesus. And I lived for the next 18 years the exact opposite of that. Taking on all the shame and the burdens and the sin and carrying those things around with me for 18 years of just piling it on. And then when Jesus finally interrupted my life and said, hey, I'm better than all of this stuff. My first initial feeling was I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough for this. And I feel like he wants to say to you, if you feel like you're in that place this morning, you're worthy because he died for you. You're worthy because he says so. Lay down the burdens and pick up his. And it doesn't matter where you can lay them down at the foot of the manger or at the foot of the cross because the same Savior's in the manger, it's, in the, it's on the cross. doesn't matter. He wants to bring you in. And the third group this morning I want to talk to is some of you don't even know who to surrender to. Some of you may have been coming to church for years, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I can't get up here and talk without talking about it. Maybe walking through life, and I've somewhat surrendered, but not really, or I have never really committed to any of this thing. I'm here to tell you, that, and Isaiah's is here to prove it to you, Right? Isaiah is messianic, and Jesus fulfills all of them. Therefore, Jesus is the Messiah. And he came and he died for all of us, regardless of our sin. Jesus wants you to come into relationship with him. That was the whole point of being born. And that's the result of him dying and being raised from the dead. So I'm going to ask Bo if he'll come on back to close us just to take a few minutes this morning so that we can just pray. We're going to sit in his presence. There will be people here to pray for you. If you've got some kind of burden you're carrying around with you this morning, surrender it. If you've been fighting against Jesus for years, he's been calling you to come into a relationship, and you're like, not yet. I'm not ready for that yet. There's not a better time than at Christmas time to come into his presence and say, I want to follow you. Because who wouldn't want a king like Jesus? Who wouldn't want a king that says, I will suffer and die for you to make a way for you to be in relationship with me? So I'm going to say a brief prayer. And one, if you moved this morning by the Spirit to come and to, to pray, if the altar is open. You can come up here. Somebody will be around. We won't touch you, but we'll pray for you. But I want to, I, I want to just... Encourage you not to not to leave here today carrying a burden that you're not meant to carry. Jesus will take that when He gives us His. And I want you to leave here today, not missing what the Savior, not missing the Savior that the Jews missed, but recognizing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and like, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Let's pray. Jesus, we are we are thankful this morning that you are the Messiah. That you did make a way for us. That sometimes we get lost looking in other directions for what you're going to do. And we lose focus, Lord. But we pray this morning that if nothing else, that we recognize the same Savior in the manger, the same Savior on the cross, God. And we live with both of those things that we recognize the joy that comes with your birth, but we also recognize the joy that comes with your resurrection. And God, we pray this Christmas that this one, more than any other in our past, we will focus in on you. That we'll look to you, that we'll respond to you that will know you this Christmas more than any other. Then when we look at 2020 with all the craziness of what it is, we can also look at 2020 and say, Jesus was the center. He's the center of it all. And I want to surrender my life to him. We love you, Lord. Amen.
1: Glad you guys were able to join us this morning. I have Harrison Dejarne with me this morning. We just, uh, we've just been asking God to be able to just talk to us, speak to us. What would you have us to encourage, to uh, support, and challenge all you guys that are watching online? We're so glad that you are with us each and every week. Um, and when we look at this passage, uh, at Jesus, the suffering servant, um, it, it really is a powerful passage thinking about this prophecy that all of Israel had as Jesus was coming into the world, Um, but yet they still missed him. Jesus was not who they uh, thought he would be, not who they thought he would look like. The Israelites, the Jewish leaders in particular, wanted and thought they needed a military leader, a king warrior who would be able to push back Rome uh, and would allow them to be able to have their own territory as their own country uh once again um but and i feel like the 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 problem that israel fell into and the problem that we also um, can fall into is we draw too small of a circle around who jesus who we need or want jesus to be um and i say that with humility realizing that, that that i do the same and that um in every situation when jesus comes He's much broader, he's much wider, he's much larger than what I think Jesus needs to be. And he was so much larger, broader, and wider than uh, who the Israelites thought they needed in the Savior King. Um, and so uh, I just encourage you guys, go back and read this passage, hold on to this. This is a beautiful prophecy that was given many years before Jesus came, uh, and and it really is this true unfolding of God's story that he did have a plan for his son to come uh, and to be the savior of the world um, and that we would suffer for our sake um, and die on the cross for him and so it's a powerful idea that we're holding Easter and Christmas at the same time we're holding the baby and the man of Jesus at uh, in, in the same time um, so Harrison you share a little bit what
2: you're hearing what you were thinking about well just you... yeah just my encouragement for everyone this week as you know this is going to be a week that for many people is going to be a good fun positive week you'll be with family there's good memories there's time off from work you'll be celebrating um some of us are doing advent just all the things that come with it but also can be a very difficult week for some of just reminders of loss or suffering or different things that depending on what your situation is highs and lows but so my encouragement is to as we walk through this season of Advent and Christmas and celebrating um, what it's always meant to us, like let's have that lens of Jesus as he comes, he's born, he's coming and bringing joy and hope. But he, The reality of who he is that he is coming to take away our sins, he's coming for our salvation. And so being able to see him and celebrate through the, with the lens of both of those things this week. And so just my encouragement for everyone is just let's look at that let's walk in that um and just i hope everyone has a good week and that this can be something that is on your heart and can give you peace and comfort and maybe even some challenge as well yeah appreciate
1: it yeah just this week share the story of jesus with your family hold that close read the beginnings the birth of jesus um is this a story that we do hold tightly um as followers of jesus and so we're glad you were able to join us. One final thing, if you have just started watching over the past month or two um, and you'd like to be able to meet some of us at Stonebridge, go ahead and I'm going to post in like 10 seconds a link to a Zoom chat. And we just want to tonight, we just want to be able to open up a little bit of space for you to be able to uh, log on and to meet uh, some of us at Stonebridge. We have. A couple fun activities, ways we can get to know each other. Um, And so if you would like to meet a few others, connect with us at Stonebridge. Check out that link. It's going to be on Facebook and YouTube uh, in about half a minute. And so thanks. We're so glad you're able to join us. Hope you guys have a great Christmas.